0: So please bear with me. I'm just going to read this. Um, It might take two minutes, but I think it's very important. Seven things you should know about the addicted person's family. If you've never loved someone who struggles with addiction, you're lucky. You'll never know the horror of waiting for the call that tells you the person you love is gone forever. You will know how it feels to stand helplessly by and watch the child you gave birth to self-destruct. Or, what it's like to wonder if this night might be their last. You won't know what it's like to say, I do, to the man or woman of your dreams, only to find they have a new love, their drug of choice, and she comes before you and everybody else. You won't know how scary it is to see mommy or daddy passed out and unable to take care of you. You won't know what it's like to walk on eggshells or hold your breath for fear of saying the wrong thing. You won't know how lost you get in loving someone who struggles with addiction or how you will grieve for the person there once were. You can't possibly imagine how traumatized families are or how exhausted and heartbroken they become. The American Society of Addiction Medicine defines addiction as a disease. However, many are baffled because addiction is a disease that acts like no other. Most don't understand this illness, and those struggling with it don't understand it either. It simply means enough, it seems simple enough, stop using drugs or alcohol, and the problems go away. But looks are deceiving, and addiction is not a simple problem. Substance use disorder is multifaceted, often involving undiagnosed and untreated mental health disorders, trauma, and other problematic issues. Families are way over their heads. Still, they get up each and every morning with a mission to save the life of their addicted loved one. Families are not pushovers. They love deeply and hurt badly. So, before you judge them, here are seven things you should know. One in seven families will experience addiction. They're your neighbors, co workers, and friends. All families have their cross to bear. Some have cancer, other diabetes, some divorce, and some have disabilities on the inside like untreated mental health issues or addiction. Number two, it's not the family's fault. While families can influence susceptibility through environment and genetics, they can't make a person addicted. Many addicts come from loving, nurturing families. Addiction is a brain disease, and the neurowiring wiring changes, changes cause people to have intense cravings for drug and make it hard to stop using. Imaging studies show erosion in areas of the brain Responsible for judgment, decision-making, learning, memory, behavior, and impulse control. Families beat themselves up. That's number three. Loving a person struggling with addiction is one of the hardest things you will ever face. You ride a roller coaster of emotional ups and downs. Your well-being becomes dependent on your addicted loved one's health and happiness. Families try everything in their power to save, fix, rescue, or control their sick loved one. And when they can't, they feel ashamed and beat themselves up number four families also have addictive behaviors when you love someone struggling with addiction it's normal to feel concerned at the time worry can cross the line into an all-consuming obsession well-intended family members fixate on helping their sick loved ones and do and do for the addicted person what he she can and should be doing for themselves this behavior negatively impacts both par- both parties and is also known as enabling. Enablers enablers don't consciously set out to hurt their loved ones. However, enablers struggle with codependency and feel guilty when they say no and set set boundaries. Enabling is partnering with addiction and aiding in the demise of your loved ones. Enablers repeatedly engage in their relief-sinking behavior despite harmful consequences. Number five, families get sick too. To stay in a relationship with someone struggling with addiction, you make compromises. Things you once said you wouldn't live in becoming your new normal. Families who live under extremes, extreme stress break down physically, emotionally, and psychologically and may also experience PTSD symptoms. We've discussed that on this program. Number six, families want the addicted person to get well and don't always look after themselves. Families struggle to be in control. They give their addicted loved ones great advice, but unfortunately, they don't always follow it themselves. Families can become lost in addiction by becoming so focused on their loved one's decline that they overlook their own. And number seven, families are afraid of being judged. Deep down, families have feelings of shame and guilt. They don't talk about their loved one's addiction because they may be told to leave their family member or kick them out to the curb. Society points the finger at them, and sometimes their children are labeled junkies and losers. Unless you've been in the family's shoes, you can't understand how difficult and complicated the situation is. Families navigating the challenges of addiction without support are in for a bumpy ride. But there is hope. Although you can't make your sick loved one well, you can positively influence their outcome by starting your own healing journey. Here's the list. Here's the twist. I'm sorry. Uh, Don't wait for the impaired thinker to see the light. Lead the way. Statistics show addicted persons whose families are in recovery have the best chance of overall success. And this was written by Lorelei Rosano. She is an author of several books. I don't know her. I've reached out to her. Hopefully we'll hear from her. But, folks, this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why we started Prodigal Recovery, why I started this, this program is because to let you know that there is hope. Because of how all of the things I just read affected my wife and I so, so intensely, night after night, day after day, not knowing are you going to get that phone call. Um, when you get a call that your son or daughter is in jail, you say, oh, what a relief. I would have never, ever thought that. In, in the In the earlier years of of being a father, nobody does nobody thinks that, but I know there 's too many people, perhaps many listening that that can relate to that uh, very unfortunate reality um, so you know this you know, like I said, this is the reason that i 'm here, why I do what I do, and um, with that, I wanted to uh, have a lot of material to cover here this evening, so i 'd like to see if we can get uh, Chad Lyon on the phone again uh, Chad. Um, uh, wears several different hats, uh, very, very uh, well-connected in the recovery community. He's um, He works uh, in the community program. Well, I'll let him tell you what uh, what he's doing. Are you there, Chad?
1: I am, Mark. How are you?
0: Oh, hey, that worked out pretty good. Good, man. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: Yeah, good. Um, so I just uh, was uh, forgetting your exact title, the title at Bright Life.
1: Uh, I'm a, primarily I'm a counselor, but I work as a business development person, community liaison.
0: Okay. And I feel like Judge Judy, did you hear my open?
1: (laughs) I actually did, and I was driving down I-40.
0: Okay. You know, I got that today, and and it was on on my Facebook page from a friend of somebody that we've had on this program before. Um, And, you know, I read that this morning. I said, man, that, that, this woman's been through it. This author, you can tell, you know, she's been there. And, and, but that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and uh, I just think it's, it was worth sharing. So, um, Well, the primary reason that I spoke to you the other day, I believe, was to, um, to discuss the benefits and the application of Narcan. Would you like to get Very into important that? Or, topic. Yeah. Um, anything else that's on the top of your list before we get into some of those nuts and bolts?
1: No, I think it's a great topic that needs to be spoken of. I'm glad to be, actually very grateful to be a part of the show to talk about it.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Chad. And before you get into it, I just want to say that Narcan saved my son's life. Uh, Six Mm. or seven years ago now, um, it was on my wife's birthday, and he overdosed, and it took three shots to revive him. But by the grace of God, he was revived and doing very well today. But uh, but please go ahead. Tell Tell us what Narcan is and maybe several ways that it's administered.
1: Okay. Um, naloxone is, is what Narcan is, is it's the chemical in it. Um, it is used to reverse, um, narcotic based overdoses. Mm-hmm. It comes in, um, three different forms, which is a vial needle injectable mm-hmm. something they call an auto injectable, which is a preloaded, um, device that, that you hit somebody, um, in a, in a large muscle, basically mm-hmm. your thigh or your, or your buttocks is, uh, optimal locations. And then the third one is a nasal. Mm -hmm. Um, the last two are (laughs) preferable being that in a moment of an overdose, Mm. it's hard to think clearly. It's, it's very traumatic. Right. Um, I've only done it one time. Um, thank God the person came out of it. Um, I would, definitely say this if there's anybody listening here that is a narcotic opioid or you know heroin user Mm -hmm. or a loved one um, of somebody that is Mm -hmm. please get some narcan Mm -hmm. Um, maybe even more than one keep them with you if you're using please please have that readily accessible to you
0: Uh uh-huh yeah that's a good point and and there are several places around town um i think the health department the uh uh, harm reduction um, on Wrightsville Avenue. Why don't you give us a couple, if you can, a couple of specific places that you can get
1: it? Pharmacies have it. You can definitely get okay. it. I, I do want to play off of what you just said. I, I think harm reduction mm-hmm. does amazing work for us in, in the city of Wilmington. Yeah. It, actually, more than just Wilmington. It's a large organization. But yeah. they get the, get the supply, put it together, distribute it if you need it see them, call them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, very valuable resource for us at work in um, in the community um, and in the genre of work.
0: Now, with a pharmacy, I know that when I go there, you know, having a, a recovery residence, they give it to you. Do they give it to um, lay people as well just to keep them or their loved ones safe?
1: I believe so, yes. Wow. Yes.
0: That's great. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, with um, all
1: the things that have happened in our world due to the opioid um, epidemic, or you know, uh, crazy amounts of use, it's it's much easier to get it than it once was. I mean, people are are definitely have definitely recognized the need for it. Police, mm-hmm. EMS, um, all carry it in their vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, recovery houses, um, mm-hmm. I know all all have it yeah. and are hopefully engaged with with harm reduction or or locations where they can get it and it's needed. And and I think everybody knows that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we just got uh, some fresh stuff um, the other day from harm reduction. I was very appreciative of that. And uh, a local nurse did a a refresher training for the guys at the house. But the ones that we got were ones I hadn't seen before. It was the ones that are not preloaded. And you have to, you know, open up this bag and and draw the the naloxone into the um, hypodermic and then inject it. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you know, at a time where, you know, people are panicking and, you know, this person is, is unconscious, you're not going to sit there and read the directions, <laughs> you know. But, no, no. But, but we also have some of, of the nasal spray, that. yeah.
1: It's just a major rule of thumb on that is just look for a part of the body that's muscular. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, in the heat of the moment and in, in the fear and all of the things that are taking place, it's hard to draw a vial. Yeah, It's hard to, you know, your hands are not steady. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that take place all in the heat of the moment. And, and also people, I think everybody needs to be aware of, if, if you ever have to do this mm-hmm. or seeing somebody else do this, be prepared that when the person is reversed, that they don't yes. come out of that overdose in a real happy mood.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I was told that they are basically in, in withdrawal instantly into a withdrawal, which is not a a happy place to be. Chad, we got to take our first break here. Can you hold on during the break, and we'll continue on the other side? Absolutely. Thank you, Chad. I really appreciate it. We're going to be right back, folks. We're going to continue with with Chad Lyon of of Bright Life, speaking of of, um, Narcan, a.k.a. Naloxone, and how it's administered and what it can do, perhaps, for someone that you know. We'll be right back. Nothing like a little buster for your Wednesday evening. Good evening. Welcome back to Recovering Hope. My name is Mark Markley, and we, I think we still have Chad Lyon on the line. You there, Chad? I am here. Good. So are you um, driving home, or <laughs> where are you, you headed?
1: Well, actually, like a good person recovering, I'm on my way to see my sponsor. Good for you. Good for you.
0: Tell them to tune in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will.
0: Okay, so... I think people got the basic uh, understanding. But before we took the break, there we had said that after somebody um, receives a, a naloxone injection, or or I guess the same with the nasal spray, they're not going to wake up and say, you know, good evening. Can I have a cup of coffee? They're they're in a very agitated state and could be possibly dangerous.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say that's accurate. People okay. come out, uh, and I've only, like I said, I've only seen it once, but I've been around uh, long enough to have spoken to a lot of patients mm-hmm. that have been through it and, uh, yeah. people have definitely come out and it's not just verbal, you know, swinging of yeah. arms, yeah. physical stuff, hard to restrain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's traumatic for them and it's traumatic for the person that's trying to support them.
0: Oh yeah. I'm sure because really nobody knows what to expect and I'm sure it's a case by case basis. Um, yeah. Yeah. My son has had to administer it, uh, I know for sure once, maybe two or three times in the uh, few years that we've been open at Prodigal. And, and thank God we had it. He knew, where to, he knew how to use it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very important. And, and, you know, some people I've seen a few things you may have seen or heard people complain that, okay, you know, I'm a diabetic and I have to pay for my medication. Why is this stuff given out for free? I'm not sure how to answer that. But I can tell you that I'm glad that it is.
1: Yeah. 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 Please I say that same thing again. If, you, if you're a, a user, um, if, I mean, first off, if you need help, please reach out. Right. There's plenty of us that are in the field that, that want to help you. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not ready yet, please make sure that you do have Narcan with you. Yeah. If not just um, for your peace of mind, but hopefully if somebody is able to find you, if that does happen to mm. you, so they can administer it to you.
0: Now, I wonder how the public could go to some kind of a training, I guess wherever they get it. And, again, there's directions on the package. But, you know, to somebody who is not responding, they, they seem unconscious um, or they are unconscious, you know, to calmly say, okay, what do I do now? So I wonder if there's a way to do a public training or something.
1: My belief on that, and this is from my experience with people at harm reduction mm-hmm. um, and how passionate they are to help people, how yeah. they get around and train so many different people. Yeah. But so person made the decision to get some from harm reduction. You're going to get a proper training when you go in there. Yeah. Please ask questions. Don't be embarrassed. Okay. Ask the question.
0: Right. Right. And I don't have the address in front of me. It's over on Wrightsville Avenue over there by the Dawson street extension is the one office that I'm aware of, but I'm also told that you can get it at the health department. Um, and uh, I was actually talking to the nurse that did the training at our house just this past Sunday, and she, a couple of good points that she brought up. You know, if there's more than one person around and somebody overdosed or to the best of your knowledge they have overdosed, um, call 911. Um, uh, call, call I don't know if you should also call the police or I guess just 911, right?
1: If there's more than one
0: person there. Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, immediately, I was just going to play off of what you said. I, immediately when it's observed, yeah. call 911 as fast as you can, mm-hmm. and then head for the administration of the medicine. Okay. Get EMS involved, the police come yeah. Um, yeah. to make sure that everything is safe in right. that environment.
0: Yeah, and hopefully if there's more than one person around, you know, which in a lot of environments there is, but, but some there aren't, maybe that can be done simultaneously because you don't want to waste a second something like that. Mm -mm. Um, How long Mm -mm. has this medication been around to your knowledge, Chad?
1: I couldn't. I don't know the exact time frame, Mark. I know in my life and what I do, it's been about six years. Mm -hmm. I know that it's been something that's been really um, prominent. Mm -hmm. um, It's become a part of life. I carry it in my car always. Uh Uh-huh. And have for years. Um, I was actually introduced into that part of of opioid addiction through Wayne Ray at Launchpad. Uh Uh-huh. And that's where I received a lot of education that I've gotten, um, on Narcan and, and, and became a big believer in, not in just the need, but the personal, my personal ability to keep it. And yeah. I need to always have that on me.
2: Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. you know, a
1: question that I used to get asked from, from loved ones, I think it's an important topic. I've seen this happen actually. It mm-hmm. kind of, it, it enlightened me, um, is that if a person that doesn't have opiates in their system, were for some reason to get, um, you know, hit with a needle or something that had Narcan in it, they're not going to be harmed. Okay. So I you think that you know people I've been asked that question. What happens if you know something happens with me? You're not going to be affected by it. it
0: doesn't okay. do
1: anything to you. It doesn't put you in any state or make you sick.
0: So if somebody is, let's just say they passed out because they drank too much and you think they may have OD'd, hitting them up with a needle of this, a dose of this isn't going to do any harm. Correct. Okay, good, good. That's good to know. And I had a number in my phone for harm reduction. I don't know if it's the current number, uh, but I have 228-7605, 910-228-7605. And, uh, Chad, like I said, you're a wealth of information. Um, uh, would you like me to give out your number here?
1: Yeah, um, my name is Chad. I'm with Bright Life Recovery, uh, trauma-focused uh, treatment, detox. My phone number everybody's welcome to have it Mm -hmm. if you don't have it already 910-523-6907
0: okay and bright life is in the Outer banks but something that you had posted uh, a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was just a conversation that we had had even though they are a, a good distance away you have developed a transportation system to get back and forth there is that right for people if they want to go to your facility
1: Yes, we found it to be crucial, I think it's actually crucial, to give back to the recovery community. So we Mm -hmm. hired a man that is recovering from opioid addiction, Uh that lives in Wilmington. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a valuable, valuable resource. He speaks recovery when he transports people to and from.
0: Yeah, that's good. And
1: is a crucial component to our program, I think. He's, Mm -hmm. He's done great work, and I think he finds it very rewarding as well.
0: And what's the best number for Bright Life, Chad? You would do that to me. Would <laughs> yeah, you didn't study, huh? <laughs> That's all right. Call Chad at five two three. One rule for a good talk show host: don't ask a question that the guest might not know. But five two three six nine zero seven. That's Chad's mobile text call. Um, please not too much after hours. Um, but uh, but Chad, I appreciate that. I think that this was some good helpful information. Oh, one more quick question uh, before you go. Again, this might have been a, some kind of correspondence you you and I have had in the past few days. Uh, are you familiar with the LEAD program? I think that we had spoken yeah. about QRT, the Quick Response Team, and we discussed that two weeks ago here. But, yeah, I thought that that was the name of it. Uh, is that still uh, active in our community?
1: Absolutely. I used to sit on, the, on, on LEAD, mm-hmm. um, and that involves you know, the QRT team is on LEAD, uh, Wilmington PD, okay. Coastal Horizons, and right. There's a lot of, of public figures that are involved in that. It's a, it's a great thing. It's and great that, thing.
0: that is basically if somebody is, um, well, why don't you, before I guess, why don't you tell us what lead is?
1: <laughs> well, let's say that somebody was using and, I don't know, got in a car wreck or, or, right. or knotted out in an intersection. That mm-hmm. The police are trained at that point in time if they observe signs of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to offer um, lead to that person. Basically, what it is is, is, is it's a form of case management. It's a form mm-hmm. of clinical um, involvement in a person's life to help support them. Right. Um, Wilmington Treatment Center offers, um, I believe, 10 scholarships annually to try to help people get, um, get sober through detox and treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a community way to, to circle the wagon, so to speak, to help a person. And okay. it, it, it's very effective. It's a, it's a great program.
0: So not necessarily just lock them up, let them do the sentence. It's they they, they may help them get into treatment, into recovery. Is that part of the program?
1: That's absolutely a component of it. And in truth, so. with with lead, it can lead to um, those charges um, being being dropped, depending okay. upon what they are. Um, okay. It's an aversion mm-hmm. to try to keep people from having to go to jail, right? Uh, because they're sick. Right, exactly. It's not always a choice.
0: That's right. That's right. And I I think I remember reading up on this a couple of years ago. Did this start in Fayetteville? Fayetteville has
1: a very large lead program. I honestly Uh cannot tell you where it
0: started. Okay, but it is still active, kind of hand-in-hand with QRT, the Quick Response Team, and Coastal Horizons? Yes. Yeah, okay, good, good. Well, Kenny House is going to be our guest next week. I look forward to learning from them what a huge organization Coastal Horizons is. I mean, Kenny was one of the first guys I spoke to many years ago when things started, you know, getting a little rough in my family. Um, and, you know, I think like everybody else, you know, you want to hear the answer. You want to know, well, what do I do, Kenny or Chad or whatever, you know, and you want that magic bullet. Well, there isn't any, but there are a lot of steps that people can take, and, folks, please remember, there is hope. We're talking to a man, uh, was it 11 years, Chad, for you? Yes. Yeah. Okay, and you've got yourself a great position. You're, you're, you're helping others, and um, the hope is real, folks, and that's, uh, that's what we're here to, to share with you. Chad, thanks so much for your time, Bud. I, I look forward to catching up with you, and next time you're in Wilmington, please let me know.
1: I will. Maybe I'm grateful can... to be here. I'm grateful to be asked. I appreciate yeah. your time. Glad right. to be here.
0: Thank you, Chad. appreciate it. And we're going to take our second break uh, for this evening, and um, just a couple of reminders here. If, if we could be of any assistance Uh, The phone number for Prodigal Recovery, which is anonymous, I do not see caller ID when you call this number, folks, is 910-338-3795. That is by design. Um, If you would like to text me, my mobile is 910-231. Look, I gave out the number and somebody called me already. Don't you know I'm on the radio? Let me just... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry about that. Live radio, folks. Okay, if you'd like to text me, my number nine one zero two three one six zero two zero. 910-231-6020. The email is mark at org. Thank you when we come back. We look forward to getting Mayor Bill Saffo on the phone. We'll be right back. I would sing, but I've been advised not to do that. <laughs> Welcome back to Recovering Hope. My name is Mark Markley. Again, a pleasure to be here with you this morning. And, and Chad Lyon, thank you so much for your time and, and information regarding uh, naloxone, which I'll just do a quick um, uh, review of that. That, that is a, a drug that is either injected or, or inhaled through your nose uh, that uh, can reverse the effects of a drug overdose. Uh, it has saved many lives. Not the least of which was my son Christopher, uh about six. It's coming up on seven years now. It'd be seven years in November. Um, and we're gonna get uh, try to get the mayor on the phone, but there's a couple of things. I'm scrolling through my notes here that I just wanted to um to review. Um, I think it was regarding I probably have this memorized by now. I know show prep is not my favorite thing to do, folks, but um Yeah, I do. I have these numbers memorized. I was looking at... Okay, I found it. Um, Based on figures from October, the total estimated cost of the coronavirus is $16 trillion. I don't know how that was calculated. I don't know how accurate it is, but between the money that has been printed um, that somehow we'll have to pay back, um, the businesses, the damage that's been done... Every aspect of it, $16 trillion. $16 trillion divided by 360 million, I think that's approximately the population of the United States. That comes out to $44,444.44 actually, per person. How much gets spent on those suffering from addiction and their families? Left alone, COVID-19 will come and go. Addiction won't. Addiction gets worse. We need to change the narrative and do something. And I've been saying this for perhaps a couple of months already. The show is only about three months old. But, you know, the, so much money, time, and attention goes to COVID. The awareness, you couldn't be more aware of it. I would like to be unaware of it for a little while, as many other people would also. But how many people really know the damage that drug addiction does unless it has impacted you or your family directly how many people know the resources that are out there how many people genuinely need some help i was talking to a friend of mine on the way to the program actually his name is cole cole if you're listening hey cole <laughs> um uh, speaking of ways that people can be helped you know whether they've just gotten out of jail out of treatment but they've they've come into a recovery residence, whether it's mine or anybody else's, and they're ready to go back into the mainstream. Well, most of them have a hard time, um, you know, with the with the funds and 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 the other job training, et cetera, that they would need in order to to remain um, drug and alcohol free and to be on a good career path in a good safe place. So, you take a fraction of that. $44,444 per person. That's babies and grandparents, everybody in between that has been spent on COVID folks. We need to get our priority straight. And um, again, if, if you'd like to comment on that, um, any other questions, concerns you have, please um, mark at recovering hope.org is an email. If you would like uh, an anonymous uh, phone call, uh, please call um, after the show. Anytime three three eight three seven nine five that rings on my cell and it, it, I don't see your number. So um, let's see if we can get the uh, mayor Sappho on the line. I hope that he's available a uh, busy man and um, hopefully he is and really appreciate him making himself available for us this evening. Uh, let me just give out my numbers again, if you'd like three, three, eight, three, seven, nine, five. And that will ring. the rings on my mobile. If you'd like to text me, Nine one zero two three one six zero two zero. If you have suggestions to make, things that you would like to hear on the program, if you or someone that you know um, is is interested in in taking that first step, making that that very important phone call to begin the recovery process, it doesn't matter where you are. One of the people that we've interviewed here, uh, John Clark, uh, he's a counselor as well. He made it very clear. Look. You don't have to be clean to come in and talk to some of these people. They're going to understand. Of course, it would be appreciate, appreciate appreciated uh, if you're not intoxicated or or wasted. But you know, you don't have to be um, completely clean. You just have to have that that desire to to make the improvements in your life. Uh, that you know, it's it's one step at a time. It's one day at a time, and and that's. Um, you know, it, it all starts with that with that first phone call, folks. And and whether it's me, there's lots of great resources here in the community. Um so uh please, you know, again, whether it's you or, or someone else that needs it, um that 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 first step is is always the most important. And it doesn't seem like we're able to get through to the mayor quite yet, so I'm just gonna go on with some notes I have um uh two weeks ago. Uh, here in the program, we spoke with um, uh, Tony McEwen and and Buffy Taylor. Um, Buffy is is uh, is with Coastal Horizons, and uh, Tony McEwen is is with the city, and um, and they were talking about the quick response team. That's something that Chad and I just talked about a little while ago, and the um, to contact the quick response team. Now this is this is a team of um, People, and um, it looks like I'm getting a call from the mayor. So, hold on, folks. <laughs> Hello, this is Mark. Hey, Bill. Hey, are you? Yeah. Um, can we call you on the six one six number, and, and then you'll be on the air. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye bye. Well, you know it's live, folks. Um, he might he may have misunderstood that we were going to call him, or, or whatever the case may be. And and sounds like we're on. You there, Mr. Mayor? Yes, sir. I'm right here. All right. Well, I appreciate that, sir. You just prevented me from going down a whole other, whole avenue. But but important stuff that I'm sure you're aware of. I was just mentioned yeah. that two weeks ago we had Tony McEwen on the line. And we were talking about the quick response team, um, right. which is uh, very very important. So. Well, look, welcome to the program. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you pulled in so many directions uh, even before COVID. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, I, I did a little research into what, you know, what's available, what the city's doing, um, you know, for, for combating what I refer to as um, perhaps the real pandemic. Uh, you know, they refer to COVID as the pandemic and, and this as an epidemic. But if you look at the definition Drug addictions, a pandemic, Um, but before I do what you might consider a typical interview and ask you a bunch of questions, what I would really like to do is make the best use of your time and ask you, what would you like uh, the audience, the community to know um, what is important? I know there's a lot that you're doing, but what would you like us to know, and and where can, can we help, Mayor Sappho?
3: Well, 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 the, the uh, issue that I see, and, and, you know, yeah, we're dealing with this COVID pandemic right now, but yeah. the, the true pandemic or the true um, issue that we've been dealing with before the pandemic hit was opioid addiction, heroin addiction, mm-hmm. the amount of people that we have lost in this country because of it. Yeah. Uh, and what we need to do as, as, as a community and as a nation is to try to get people into recovery. Right. Um, that's the most important thing to try to break this thing. We know from the manufacturers of opioids, the distributors of opioids, mm-hmm. that they have been flooding our communities with yep. opioids, mm-hmm. uh for years, for now about 15 years. has it, yep. really created this epidemic Yes. Uh, where well, we're losing about 75,000 people a year mm-hmm. to these, um, illicit drugs or even drugs that were prescribed to people that right. have abused them. Right. And so, and so what we as a community are trying to do, working with our state legislature, even working with the federal government now, is to go after the people, first of all, that started this pandemic or that, yeah. this, 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 this scourge that we've had on our communities for yeah. the last 15 years,
2: mm-hmm.
3: who, who, which they have admitted to. right, And to try to uh, get money from them to help our local communities mm-hmm. in getting people into recovery. Right. Uh, that's the most important thing that we can do. Right. We've created the quick response team. We've worked with the state legislature with the STOP Act in mm-hmm. regards to limiting the amount of opioids that people have or get after surgeries. Right. Um, but but we're going to need a lot of resources and money moving forward mm. for the people that have become addicted to get them into recovery. Yeah. Uh, and we know we're, even through the recovery process, we know how tough it is. Yeah. And we know that we're going to lose even people when they go through recovery and they're trying right. to get clean and they're trying right. to help themselves. Right. What, you know, so, so we've got a lot of work ahead of us. It's not going to be fixed in a year or two years no. or five years. It's going right. to take us a long time to get through That's this. Right. And uh, I just want this community to know that we as, as, uh, as elected leaders, as mm-hmm. well as community advocates, as well as people that are out there in the community, like coastal horizons mm-hmm. that are out here trying to help people yeah. that we need your help. And that if you have a loved one, and it needs to try to get a recovery. We want to try to help to do that, mm-hmm. get them there.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and, and, um, you know, we're putting resources there, but you know, the local governments in our country, and I'm not just talking about Wilmington, and New County. I'm talking right. about every community throughout this nation mm-hmm. has been impacted by this. Oh yeah. And, has been, and it's been, it has been devastating. Mm-hmm. And so we know that COVID at some point in time is going to be over and we'll get our right. vaccines. and right. Hopefully we'll get back to some normalcy. Yeah. But this, this epidemic with opioids, heroin is is ongoing. It's a battle that we're going to be fighting for, for quite some, for, for, for many years to come.
0: Yes, yes, unfortunately, and, and we've been fighting it for a long time. And, you know, this is one of the things that, that I was telling uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Wayne Ray of, of Launchpad, you know, I would like to be able to do something to make a difference. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. You know, this is a relatively new program that I'm doing. I did a construction show for 15 years, so I have some experience in in, in radio. But, you know, helping somebody to tell them how to install a window, um, compared to if I can point them in the right direction to get them some some help, some some resources, uh, can be so much more rewarding. But I would like to be able to measure the the impact that any any one organization has. I'm sure you have ways of doing that. You know, through the city. Um, with all the programs that you have to help, um, but I think sometimes a lot of a lot of especially the larger programs um, can you, you can get lost in the bureaucracy. You know, is it uh, are, sure are, are, right? Are, are people really doing what what they're supposed to do? The amount of funds that that it would take to run some of these programs, I'm sure, are significant. And you know, yeah. I was thinking today um, prior to to uh, getting down here. You know, this morning on the way to work. I see five guys on the side of the road. One guy's working, four guys watching him work. And I'm a contractor, also, Bill. And I, you know, so I know what it is to be productive and to and to you know to not waste any precious time or resources. And you know, you mentioned about you know the money, like from Big Farmer. There, there's lawsuits going on. I'm sure you're aware of that. With um, uh, what well, I forget the name of the of the company. I know there's a number of them. We're talking about you know hundreds of billions of dollars. Where does that money go? How's it going to get to the person that needs the help? I mean, have you seen any any results like that?
3: Well, let me just say this: that we were one of the first communities in the nation to sue Big Pharma, and in particular the distributors of opioids that mm-hmm. we felt had violated the Substance Control Act that Congress had passed many years ago, uh-huh. because they were the gate. They were the gatekeepers of the opioid distribution into yep. this country. Yeah, and when we saw, you know, when we saw increases of fifteen hundred percent or two thousand percent of oxycodone or Percocets mm. in our community, yeah. somebody should have been notifying the health department and our local health officials to tell them that we have an issue that is going on in our community and yeah. what can we do to to work on that and, and to find out what the issue was. Mm-hmm. I was in a United States federal courthouse in, um, in Cleveland, Ohio, with uh, former Chairman Woody White, mm-hmm. um, and we were asked to come there with a number of attorney generals from around the country, as well as a number of elected leaders from around the country that had also sued the opioid distributors mm-hmm. to talk to, you know, to see about a settlement right. with the opioid distributors. And I guess what floored me in that meeting or in that, um, in that courtroom was the discussion that a federal court, uh, the federal judge had... Shared with us on uh, uh, Judge Polster uh, in Cleveland, mm-hmm. that basically said that the distributors of opioids were there to to settle with us, yeah. and that they, in, in many ways, had admitted mm-hmm. their wrongs.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but they wanted to, to make the distribution or the, the 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 settlement over a a longer period of time of fifteen years, given us. Oh, wow several billion dollars over a number of years. Mm. And we said, no, we need the help now. Right. But what would shock, what shocked me about the whole thing was the fact that they admitted to it. And here we have business people, people that, you know, you invest in their stocks and Mm -hmm. that admitted that they were distributing opioids in our communities um, at at, at an alarming rate and getting a lot, getting, getting a lot of people addicted that Mm -hmm. eventually, when they couldn't afford the opioid, ended up going into heroin because mm-hmm. it was cheaper. That's right. And the number of lives that have been lost because of that is incredible. I, I just had a—I a, consider a friend of mine that lost this um, this son several mm. months ago. Oh man! Uh, and the devastation that it—how devastated him, his wife, uh, yeah. and, and his entire family was uh, from the from the loss of their of their of their son, yeah. and how how much. They tried to save him, yeah. and this is going on in our community every single day, and it's happening yeah. all over the country, yeah. and um, I hear these stories all the time. So mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is trying to create or try to settle with the opioid distributors so that we can receive money at the local levels mm-hmm. that can create beds and create mm-hmm. the space that we need for recovery programs and recovery yeah. beds because right. that's one of the things that we lack. Yeah. is that we need more recovery beds. And as I alluded to earlier, we're losing over 75,000 people a year to opioid addiction. Yeah, And this is not going to stop um, this year. It's not going to stop next year. But no, uh, no, it's... At, at least our com- our communities are addressing it, right. are trying to create programs, working with our healthcare providers to provide more uh, beds for um, recovery and mm-hmm. um, seeing what we can do to to bring the people that, made this happen in our country to justice and make yeah. them pay for
0: it. Yeah, yeah, there, there are. There's a lot of good programs out there, and I definitely agree um, that we need more beds, and it's you know, it's kind of difficult. Um, just real briefly, what got me into this, uh, Mr. Mayor, is one of my sons got messed up on, on heroin years ago. I, I think it began 10 years ago, and, you know, in and out of treatment, in and out of jail, and, and sadly, and I hate to call it a typical yeah, drug user, but that's kind of what it was. It was devastating for my family. And um eventually he got into a, a recovery house. He w- he was made the manager of the house, stayed there for a year and nine months. Then he then he and I opened up a local recovery residence called Prodigal Recovery. He was the living manager for the first two and a half years. Now he's on his own, runs a, a, a very nice, fairly large tree tree recovery, well, tree recovery, tree service business. Um And and he's an example of of what can be done, and we've been open for about three and a half years. I would like to. I'm turning people down almost every day. I have a waiting list of about five people. It's a twelve bed home, and in an effort to to open up another house, I I I don't know if you know the zoning regulations for that, but you have to be a half a mile away from from another recovery residence. It makes it almost impossible to find other houses. And if you can, right. if you can uh, bear with me, I, I just wanted to read a paragraph that I, that I wrote um, uh, over a month ago. Uh, in trying to get an idea of the demand of, of these residences, I tried to find out how many people, percentage-wise, end up with an addiction to drugs or alcohol. I don't know the accuracy of these numbers, but I read approximately 6% of adults will end up with an alcohol use disorder. Just alcohol. That's right. The population, okay. population of New Hanover County is about 239,500 people. Six percent of that is 14,370. That's correct. I'm told there are only about 60 recovery residences, and if they all saw treatment, would put 240 people in every one of those 60 homes. The average recovery correct. residence holds about eight people. Based on this statistic, with an average of eight people per house, we would need almost 1,800 recovery residences. So you you see the difficulty? And and I can understand that, you know, people would say, you know, not in my backyard, there's got to be regulations. But I'll tell you, Bill, in the three-and-a-half years that we've been open, we have a 12-bed home right off of Wrightsville Avenue behind that old Sitco station. I have not had 12 men in the home. I have not had one complaint from a neighbor. Now I'll tell you, you, you go to some of these... Some of these uh apartments where college kids are living, I can almost guarantee cops are called every night um, yeah. so I mean uh, I don't want to put you in a, in a in a jam or in a weird spot, but do you think that there's something that can be done to to change the zoning um,
3: well i, I- yeah, I, I've dealt with this over the years since uh-huh. I've been mayor. Where where we've had um, there's a gentleman here by the name of Bill Buck that has a number of recovery homes. Yes, and we've looked at the police records to make certain
0: mm-hmm. that
3: you know they're abiding by all the problems. And you're right, we don't have the problems at those recovery homes um, at all. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that there's always the perception that the community or the neighborhood uh, thinks that because you have a former drug addict or we have a former alcoholic and there's several people that are living in a home there Mm -hmm. that we're going to have problems or we're going to have issues. Right. And, And it's more of a perception issue than it is reality. Yeah, Um, it is. and so whatever we, and, and I've been very supportive of the group because it has worked and mm-hmm. we don't have the problems and we have checked the police records. Yeah. We don't see that. Mm-hmm. It's just an education with the community to let them know mm. that these people are not out here. These people are trying to recover. These people are trying to get straight. They're trying right. to get clean. Right. They don't want to, to, to bring any devastation to, to their neighborhood, yeah. but yeah. at times it's unfortunately, but people believe otherwise and yeah. it, it, it's just an education process in most cases mm-hmm. that we have to work uh, work with the community or work with the, the neighborhoods when we do that yeah. and um you're right we do need more i think one of the things that the city and the county have been talking about is looking for larger facilities where we can put near the near the hospital i know that mm-hmm. uh, several uh, about two years ago that we talked about a recovery facility there off of medical Center drive right next to the um the hospice center there and the hospice people mm-hmm. got upset even oh, in, really? in, a, in a medical area. Oh, wow. and, uh, we had a, a, we had, we had three lo- significant meetings that lasted for hours to, mm. to, to assure the ho- the people from hospice mm. that the people that were going to be there at this recovery center, were not going to be breaking into their facility, to try to steal drugs, but oh, it, yeah, you yeah. Know, it, 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 it created a sense of fear. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, unfortunately, some people use the uh, social media platforms right. to profess or to scare people. And right. that's unfortunate. Right.
2: Yeah. That but is that's very not unfortunate. what I see.
3: And look, mm. we, we need more recovery facilities. There's no doubt about it. And yeah. what, what you folks are doing mm-hmm. and others are doing in the community is greatly appreciative. And we got to do more. That's, yeah. that's one of the issues that we have with the distributors of opioids in the settlement uh, portion of this is that we're asking um, the federal judge to whatever settlement happens, for that money to come directly to communities mm. like City of Wilmington, County of New Harbor, who have t- who have taken the brunt of this. Right, we're not getting a lot of dollars from the state. We're not getting any money from the federal government. Yeah. We're doing it here on our own. Yeah. and 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 as you well know, we have a lot of people. In some cases, they do not have insurance, and we're trying right. to help those folks. Right. So the need is 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 tremendous.
0: Yes, it definitely like is. But we've
3: got a lot of good people out there working on this. Yeah. And uh, as I said, this is not going to be cured overnight. Mm-hmm. But I think we're starting to make some inroads.
2: Good. And we're good. making
3: people a lot, uh, you know, much more aware of the issue and the problem that we're running into. Yeah. And we're trying to bring the resources to the table to help these people recover. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Is is recovery.
0: Yeah, that's exactly why I'm here, Bill. And, and, you know, I just want you to know, um, anytime you use this platform announcements, I realize there's lots of ways for you to get messages out, but I would like to help, you know, the community as much as I can. would love to sit down with you at some time, toss some ideas around. Let me get a better understanding of what you're doing to see where and if I could possibly help. Um, I, my heart is very much into this and, uh, and I'd really like to, and, and by the way, I'd like to say, congratulations. Um, longest-running mayor in Wilmington's history. You must be doing something right there, sir.
3: Well, I, did, I didn't think I was going to be here that long, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of projects I wanted to get see done, and, they, mm-hmm. and I've been fortunate enough to work with a great group of, uh, of elected leaders over time, and uh, yeah. it's, been a, it's been a tremendous journey, and, and, and uh, I've enjoyed every moment of yeah. it.
0: Well, thank you, and I appreciate Good that. Good and bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to, to sitting down with you someday, and thank you again very much for your time this evening.
3: I appreciate it. Thank you very uh, much.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And that's going to wrap it up for tonight, folks. Um, appreciate the mayor's time here, and, and let's see what we can do. Like I said, not what Wilmington can, can do for you, maybe what you can do for Wilmington. Uh, next week, we have Kenny House coming in from Coastal Horizons. It's going to be a very uh, informative program as well. The Coastal Horizons is a huge organization. They cover cover every aspect of, of recovery and addiction, even starting with cigarettes. Who would have thought that that could have been a problem? Thank you for tuning in. God bless. Have a great week. We're here to do the best we can to help you or a loved one to know there is hope to end the nightmares of addiction as well as local resources to help in your journey of recovery. Do not stop any medical therapies prescribed by your doctor or attempt anything we discuss without consulting a medical professional.